the, the first inaugural podcast of Channel 42. So we have uh, Tor, Phil, and myself, Troy here. And uh, we'll introduce ourselves in a bit, but first we just wanted to uh, just give you a bit of a background of why we're called Channel 42. So mm -hmm. I think I'll start with uh, you, Phil, and just ask you, why, why is it called Channel 42? Well, Channel, what is my favorite perfume? And why is it called 42, Troy? Well, if, if, if you guys are familiar with The Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy, uh, it's, a, it's a popular book, uh, you may, may have heard of it, uh, but inside uh, the, the, the pages of um, The Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy, uh, there's a computer that answers the ultimate questions to the universe with the, the answer 42. And 42, if you guys have ever had the, uh, the chance or the time, uh, sit down and look at the ASCII, ASCII chart or an ASCII table and look at what, uh, what character is represented by the 42. It's an asterisk character. And an asterisk is another way of saying a, a wild card or I don't know, or it could be anything or, or it depends. So literally channel 42 gives us the opportunity to talk about anything that comes to our minds. Well, I'm going to sideline you there. The question is, is it an asterisk or an asterisk? Does it matter? I think there's risk either way. I think there is. And I'd like to point that a conspiracy theory as well, Troy, right? COVID-19, it's way too hard to stay home. So if you multiply 19 by two, what do you get? 38, right? I think 38, yeah. yeah. We've been in isolation for nearly four months. If you add four to 38, 42 42. It's, it's a conspiracy plot. <laughs> There's also, I, I think it's also related to a bit of a, of, of a cover-up. Um, just a shout out to uh, Keith Parsons and the, the, the work that he's done to put together the, the channel plan, the channel chart for all the six gigahertz spectrum. I, I think it's interesting that uh, channel 42 does not show up at all on the six gig band. Again, it's a conspiracy. It, it's planned that way. Talking to cover-ups, Alan's blanket was quite nice. I think we're having way too much fun here, guys. <laughs> you are aware that, uh, that that it was a big computer that actually came up with the the, the supposed answer, right? Yep. Deep thought, uh, right? Deep yeah. thought, you know, right? You know, yeah. you know the computers, they really, in reality, they, they do binary, right? Yes. And, and if you take your fingers and you say, okay, you got the ones, you got the twos, you got the fours, and you got the eights, right? Yeah. Okay, got that. Yeah. So if you if you do the the number two in binary, right? Yeah. That's no ones, no fours, no yeah. eights, right? Yeah. Yeah. And then the four, that's no ones, no yeah. twos, and a four. So the computer might have said, "Yeah, you get it, right?" <laughs> I think I like that as much as the asteroid story. That's fantastic. I don't think this is true, but uh, I like that. Yeah. Maybe so. Well, so, as you mentioned, Troy, this is uh, our inaugural uh, podcast. And uh, Troy, Tor, and myself wanted to, we will talk about all sorts of things. Like you said, the asterisk, the Channel 42. We're going to talk about lots of things, things other people aren't talking about, and probably things other people are talking about as well. Uh, should we do introductions? Yeah, let's get going. You want to go first, Troy? Yeah, for sure. Uh, so my name is uh, Troy Martin. Uh, you can find me on uh, on the Twitter sphere at uh, Troy Mart, just like Walmart, but uh, much, much, much better and better customer service. 
Uh, I've been working in networking for over 10 years, uh, sorry, over, over, over 20 years in networking. Uh, over 10 of those years have been in Wi-Fi. Uh, worked on a bunch of different uh, different verticals, uh, including uh, the uh, the mining industrial space. Uh, working with a bunch of uh, IoT type protocols, uh, which we'll have the uh, the opportunity to discuss as we go through our series of of podcasts. Uh, and I was I was asked by Phil um, if I was um, if I already climbed up uh, to a podcast with somebody else. Uh, turns out I was uh, gaming solo uh, all this time. And so uh, we, we teamed up with uh, Phil and Tor uh, to put together the uh, Channel 42 podcast. Awesome. Thank you, sir. I just started the recording. Um, unbelievably pre-planning, right? I thought, oh, not a worry. I'll just use Camtasia. My Camtasia won't start. I got no idea what's going on on my uh, laptop. So I, um, I forgot to start the recording earlier. I just started it now in... It might be in the WLA. Uh, uh, so anyway, we may have missed the start. We may have to pretend and redo the start or something. But not a worry. Okay, we'll start over. Do the same jokes again. Um, no, not really. Sure. sure. Try. Sure. <laughs> a tour, sorry. Guys. Oh, yeah. Okay. <laughs> well, You're really going yeah, back yeah, to the beginning. Me back. Tor, so my, yourself, my, my name is, is Tor Olsen. Um, I'm, I'm living in, in Denmark and uh, I'm, I'm sure that it's uh, a bit remote from, from you, some of you guys. But um, I'm originally from the Faroe Islands, so you could call it, you could say that I'm a fairy. Uh, I've been in the, in the, in the Wi-Fi industry for yeah, more than 20 years. Uh, I've originally uh, educated like uh, a radar technician, so I can spell RF, I think I can. Um, and I've been working with uh, different uh, types of projects, uh, fun projects like uh, trying to, to get Wi-Fi or wireless to, to work on oil rigs. Uh, um, at present time, uh, working with uh, wireless on, on container terminals, uh, uh, great fun. Uh, we have to do a lot of compromises uh, all the time. Um, and, um, and I'm also, uh, because I've been in the military for, for more than 18 years, uh, um, I got a bit paranoid, so security also my thing. Uh, so that's kind of who I am. That's awesome. That's awesome. I just got a message, by the way, from WLAN Association that they did start the recording. So I've probably started a second recording. I've probably broken it now. We'll see what happens. Oh, we have a backup for Phil. We'll have to get together and do this again, right? Absolutely. <laughs> All right. So um, uh, I've been doing, I always tell people I've been doing Wi-Fi. I can remember B being the new thing, the exciting thing that everybody's talking about. Woohoo! 11 megabits. I've been doing it for a while. Uh, what I do is wireless, cybersecurity, and now I'm really getting excited about IoT, and we'll talk about that later on. Uh, I really enjoyed hearing people talking about the IoT and the Python and things references today. Our world is changing, and, and I, think, I think we have so many opportunities here if, if we can identify them and move with them. Sounds good. So that's who we are. Uh, what should we do next, Troy? What's the next part of the plan? Well, cool. Thanks, Phil. Uh, and it, it came up on uh, some of the potathon today. Some people were talking about uh, COVID and the pandemic uh, that's been uh, we've all been experiencing for the last few months. But I was just curious, uh, Phil and Tor, um, what uh, what have you guys uh, 
been doing while we've been kind of in lockdown for the last few months? Oh, doing the zombie apocalypse. Tor, what have you been up to, man? Yeah, I've been working. So I'm, I'm really not being affected by this because I, I usually work with uh, guys uh, all over the world. So I'm sitting at my computer, uh, having meetings, uh, doing design proposals, uh, troubleshooting. Um, I used to travel a lot, so I'm not doing that. And uh, my wife uh, actually, to my kids, said, he's there all the time. A bit annoyed, but uh, yeah. So I try, I try to keep uh, um, away uh, in my office uh, more most of the time. Cool. I've been um, been trying to do things I've always wanted to do, and I've decided to learn a new language. I've tried to learn Italian and Spanish and French over the years, and I've always wanted to learn Latin. So I've started Latin. learning Latin. Oh, that's useful. Yeah. I guess. Very cool. Yeah. So what, what, what have you learned in Latin so far? Like how, has it been hard? It's pretty easy, but ask me, why am I learning Latin? What, why are you learning Latin, Phil? Queer non possum, Troy. Queer non possum. Ha, because you can. That's the one, dude. How about you, Troy? What have you been up to? Uh, so, so I've been taking a little bit of time and I've, I've also been trying to learn languages. So I, I spent the early part of my youth in uh, taking French, French immersion classes. And I never quite appreciated it. We spent a lot of time learning the intricacies of uh, grammar and the language. And I thought, man, French is really complicated. Like, I don't, I don't learn all these grammar rules in English. Um, and later on in, in high school, I was introduced to all the grammar rules of, of, of the English language. Um, but uh, right now, during, during uh, COVID, I've, I've been spending a lot of time on duolingo learning Spanish. And so nice. one of the phrases I, I've learned is, uh, uh, por que puedo. Ah, because you can. Nicely done, Dick. Yeah. <laughs> that wasn't at all set up, was it, guys? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So, yeah, actually, why, yeah, I've always had a big interest. Still? I've always why, had a big why? interest in, like, the Romans and things. Why am I laughing? Why am I laughing? Oh, why laughing? Why not awesome? <laughs> For me, he's actually asking, is the pit Latin? No, that's interesting. I, I've heard of that. I don't actually know what that is, but... No. So, um, Duolingo is... Um, They've just launched a course on it. And it's actually not as hard as you think because a lot of words are what you identify in, like maybe you, if you've spoken any Spanish or common words in Spanish or Italian. I can't think of any at the moment, but I'm trying to think of one about like home or it's, it's dormio, dormio or something, right? Which is like a dorm. And it's really, easy to see where these words have come from now i've been told if you pick up latin you can pick up other languages real easy and i tried in my life to do french and i tried to do italian and i tried to do spanish and, and they just don't stick with me so i thought hey, dormitorio hmm? dormitorio uh, yeah. For room. Uh, right yeah you do that very well dude I, i'm i'm impressed yeah so my birthday my birthday present it's on my list. Um, you can actually buy Harrius Potter at Philosophy Lapis. It's Harry, the what? Potter, Harry Potter and the Sorcerer's <laughs> in Latin. And, and I'm probably going to struggle, but I'd love to have a read of that. And then maybe go on to some Cicero or something, you know? Maybe take a little deeper. So, so the, the whole book is in Latin? Yeah. yeah. Wow. 
because I know the story, I've read the book a couple of times. I'm, I'm hoping that it, uh, you've got to like immerse yourself in it, right? If you try and do a word a day or something, it doesn't work that way. You've got to really immerse yourself in it. And it's going to be a struggle. But, you know, the first day, I'll probably read about three lines. Second day, go for four lines. At the end of the month, I might do like a couple of pages a day and then you got it. I've always, always wanted to learn Latin. I didn't take it in school, but I've always wanted to learn Latin. A couple of guys are saying that they've, um, they took, uh, John is saying he took Latin for four years in high school. Yeah. And the good thing, of course, is, is if I don't know Latin, I can insult people with what I'm saying. <laughs> Talk about people, right? That's good. I'll just switch. One of the, one of the things I like. <laughs> How many languages do you speak to? Um, uh, the Scandinavian languages, uh, Swedish, Norwegian, Danish, uh, Faroelic, um, and or you could get Faroish, um, and uh, then German, English. I love the way Tor says the Scandinavian languages. There's like three bundled in there. Or the Scandinavian languages. I speak there. Yeah, but they're close. <laughs> that's about six I just counted, Tor, right? That's one yeah, of the things I love about Spanish uh, and uh, maybe uh, going to now. That's pretty much it. So the Scandinavian languages, are they like, are they more like German or are they more like. How dare you? I'm sorry. Let me take that back. <laughs> no. <laughs> they, they, they are they are Germanic, uh, and there there's some 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 uh, similarities. Um, uh, fun story: the first time I went to the States uh, in San Diego, with us with some guys, uh, my colleagues, friends, and um, and they actually uh, there was a guy that approached me. I did uh, that uh, approached us and said, "Oh, I know that language." We're, you're talking German? Said, nah, not really. Yeah, I know it because I have it in high school or some. So said, you you might study harder in order to, to <laughs> recognize really that really language. Yeah. Oh, that's awesome. But it is close. It is close, and a, and a lot of Americans um, uh, hear it as German. Um, it's it's a, a, a bit harder uh, language, like uh, German or kind of Dutch also. So, Dutch is very, because I'm Welsh, and you know we we have. If I explain Welsh to you, we have like more than five vowels. Like Y is a vowel as well, which which now you'll understand. Welsh is very, it's like the Dutch. When a Welsh guy and a Dutch guy start talking, you aren't sure if they're talking yet or if they're clearing their throat, right? It's no, like, <laughs> not really. It might be the same with uh, with Danish in, in some cases. Some some people uh, have a tendency to say that that we have a uh, a potato in 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 the mouth when we're talking. <laughs> yeah. so. Well, I always tell people the easiest way to understand and with Welsh, Welsh is Welsh is very emotional. So I always tell people, look, if you go to an English church, right, Moses walked down the mountain with the Ten Commandments. If you go to a Welsh church, Moses walked. Down the mountain, way more passion, right? It's, it's like you can. It's almost like you're there. And and Welsh is a very, the Welsh people are very. Well, it's almost like we sing sometimes. <laughs> we don't mean to, but but like when we get excited. When I get excited, my voice goes up like two octaves. You're like a bard. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I was actually thinking that I've I've seen these these long. Uh, 
names of places in, in, in Wales. And I'm, I'm wondering if, if, would it be taking forever to, to, to finish a sentence if you have to, to use these long words, in, and I'm guessing you, you might also do it in general. I'm and laughing. I'm not, I'm not I'm trying to, to speak Welsh, so not at I'm all. I'm laughing because Alan has just posted something, and uh, he basically posted, whose coat is that jacket? And I'm laughing because my grandma used to say that. Wales is a, Welsh is a conceptual <laughs> language. So, so like, like she'd say, when you hang up, when you take off your coat, Okay, that's to, to hang off, to hang up your coat. When you walk into the house, you're welcomed, you take off the coat and you hang up the coat. And this makes perfect sense in Wales, who hang up their coat on the floor? It doesn't make any sense in English, but to hang up your coat is to remove your coat. But instead of saying who took off the coat and dumped it on the floor, my grandma would say who hung up the coat on the floor? Oh, sorry, grandma, that was me sort of thing. So we have a different view on things. It does help sometimes. Definitely. Yeah. On a, on a more serious note, of course, uh, other things I've been doing is trying to learn a little bit. I started learning the Cisco DevNet stuff. Um, seen a lot of people talking about today, Python scripting, IoT interfaces with our Wi-Fi systems and things. My goal is to get, see if I can get CCNP DevNet in the next few months. So it's part of Cisco's program? Cisco's program, yeah. It's it basically that they have functionality in their program. It interfaces with Cisco DNA, interfaces with Meraki. They also have an IoT DevNet, which I'm very interested in looking at. I think it's more industrial IoT. Uh, and and Tor, we want to talk a lot about IoT and talk about it in this session as well, right? Yeah, the things we're, we're, we're doing with IoT, I think IoT is going to be huge. Have you um, done any studying, uh, Troy, anything? I, I have, right? So I've spent some time playing around with uh, the DevNet stuff. And it's, uh, it's, as far as uh, resources and uh, lab setups, I, I think it's a fantastic resource for, for really, for anyone in the wireless community uh, to get their, their, their feet wet uh, in terms of learning uh, Python and coding, uh, just the access of the equipment they have, the, the structured tutorials they have. I, I think it's a... Fantastic setup. It's actually, I, I, in my opinion, one of their best best programs that they have. But th there's tons of resources that are out there. Like for the, the month of April, uh, Plural Site had uh, delivered all their content for free. So you could register for any of their uh, Python learning programs. So they had, you know, uh, beginners, intermediate, advanced uh, training programs. And they have tons of resources. If you want to get deep into the machine learning and the artificial intelligence, uh, tons, tons of content there. We have how, a how you tour? Have, have you looked at any any of this? Go ahead, Tom. Yeah, I've, I've been uh, attending uh, classes with the uh, Python Python from the network engineers. Uh, realizing that that we we have to get back to coding. Uh, I've been coding uh, in an earlier life, uh, so so that's kind of part of that being a network engineer nowadays. And uh, yeah. luckily, I've I've got uh, the opportunity to to get my hands on a uh, DNA center. I'll be setting that up uh, nice. shortly in, 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 as a start in my lab environment uh, with a lot of uh, gear and uh, I'm looking forward to that. So I'll definitely, we'll, we'll dig into to coding uh, while I'm setting that up also. So yes, um, and the lockdown actually, it 
as I said, I, I've been working uh, most of the time, but it also gives you the opportunity to to dig into some some new stuff, as you said, uh, DevNet uh, related uh, things, and uh, and uh, get smarter and wise on some specific topics. Yeah. Oh, there's some great material out there. Absolutely great material. And it's yeah, definitely you, you, Cisco-oriented. Go ahead, Troy. Sorry, just a, you open up this can of worms with uh, Python. Just in your experience, what, what have you found of good ways to learn Python? Is there anything you can share? Well, Google, YouTube. Um, I know that a couple of guys have done some great Python introductions. Um, before we go on to that, though, there's a question. Troy, Tor. Landon's asked, what is our opinion of ISA 100.11a? Do we have an opinion? I think it's an over, uh, overrated protocol. It, um, it's uh, far inferior to the, uh, the, the protocol that currently saturates the, the market, uh, the, the wireless heart uh, protocol, which uh, builds upon the existing wired heart standard that has been around for, for decades. Um, later, later on, we can talk a little bit uh, deeper into that um, if, if we want. And, and um, I don't know if we wanted to, uh, to jump ahead to in our schedule or turn around and come back to that. Let's come back to that one because I think that was a great answer. Because okay. I don't know if people realize you did a webinar at WLPC a few years back on heart, right? On wireless heart, yes. Yeah, yeah, which, is, um, which everybody should look up. It's, it's, it's a pretty good webinar. Yeah, so oh, thank uh, you. Hey, my pleasure, man. So you asked about learning programming. Now it's funny you should ask that, Troy, because I have a plan. So I did create a couple of slides. Let me um let me share my screen. Um oh okay, it's much easier. Let me do that. And so here we have a little slide set that I presented. I wanted to get the logo on there, but we haven't decided on a logo yet, so we haven't got it. You can see my screen, everybody? Can you confirm yep. that? Fantastic. So here's a little, it's not a 30 minute talk. I just stole this from another slide set. It's not gonna be that long. Uh, I, this is presented at Podathon Day, a little bit about us coming up on emails and things. I wanted to mention here that I'm, uh, I mentioned here that I'm the CTO, CSO. I'm also the EI, EIO. Yeah, EIO. <laughs> yep. What is that, Phil? I inherited it from my boss, Old MacDonald. Do you know him, Troy? <laughs> I've heard of Mr. MacDonald. Yes, he used to own a farm, right? <laughs> the old jokes are the best. All righty. So I wanted to introduce you to some things. I wanted you all to be really safe at home. And this is a little presentation. I actually, this isn't the presentation I wanted to show. I stole the presentation from someone else, and these were in there. I thought, I'm going to leave these in. And I want to let you all know that these are actually available on Amazon at the moment. You can buy anti-radiation stickers, which I think we all need, especially with all the, the rumors of 5G and all that COVID virus going around, right? Oh, it's and, horrible, the 5G radiation. Terrible, terrible, <laughs> terrible stuff. Now, you think, all right, that's fantastic, Phil. It gets better. You can buy these. I wanted to buy a pair, but I'm, I'm not spending 90 bucks, right, on anti-radiation EMF protection. Then again, maybe we should. You can buy radiation shielding blankets. I'm like, this stuff just gets better and better. Maybe that's what Alan was wearing. And then you can get 
this. You put your oh, Wi-Fi router in the box and it keeps you safe from all the nasty radiation. <laughs> if you don't believe me, you can buy this. And there's like, when you read the ratings, someone goes, oh yes, my, my allergy to Wi-Fi radiation was really bad until I bought this box. And now I'm much better. And you're like, fantastic guys, fantastic, right? Well, Troy, you asked about programming. Um, yeah. I wanted to do a little section on, hey guys, we all need to learn a little bit more about Python. And I thought, right, how do we do this? Do we do Python? Do we teach you some JSON? Do we teach you some YAML? Do we do a little bit of C? Do we, somebody earlier on mentioned Ansible and then they shut it. And I thought, well, it's a little bit unfair, right? Because there's so many programming languages. Then I remember how I first, well, a long, long time ago when I was in college, uh, I did COBOL, and that makes me shudder as well. Then I remember that my programming skills were reawakened a few years back. I was playing a, a game called Minecraft. Okay? Now, in Minecraft, you can make something called a turtle. Okay? So you make a turtle in Minecraft, and you can program it using a Lua-like language. It, it's basically based on Lua. So what, uh, what is Lua? What is that? Uh, do you, what do you know what that stands for? I can't remember what it stands for, but it's a programming language, actually. I didn't prepare for so that. I, I, just, I remember seeing it uh, in uh, World of Warcraft. Uh, it's also used to automate uh, maneuvers. It's kind of, I'm going to say something now and we'll see how many messages appear. It's kind of Python-esque. Let's just wait for it. Oh, no, it's not because the syntax. Oh, here we go. Yeah, okay, yeah. Um, but it's, it's close enough, right? So what I thought is let's have a bit of fun with this. And I'd like to put a challenge out there. And this helped me to learn programming. And it seems like a real easy challenge, but it's a lot more complex than it first seems. Now, obviously, you can load up Minecraft and do this, or you can you know, play with kids, grandkids, family, whatever. Uh, but what I want to do is I want to put a challenge out there and give you four challenges. Challenge number one, I want you to design some turtle code that will mine every block on a matrix. For example, here we have a chessboard. The turtle is going to come in here and he's going to move from block to block, rotating around, mining the blocks inside Minecraft. Okay? Start on the outer edge, go on the chessboard, and go. So, so what I'd like for people to do, and why the heck should we do this, Phil? Well, there will be prizes. What I'd like you to do is write some code to mine like an eight by eight chessboard. Challenge number two is I want you to make it work for odd and even matrices. Now, you're all sitting there thinking, this is a walk in the park. I thought so as well. I just wanted to mine some stuff in the game Minecraft. And I, it took me a, quite a few days in the end. I got this work in, and I was quite proud of myself getting this work in. If you do this, you can learn functions, you can learn if then, loop until, while, do, all sorts of things. So challenge number two, I want you to make it work for odd and even matrices. Now, I'm more than happy for you to submit the code that says if, if you've got an N by N matrix, if N is odd, do this function, else do that function. That's fine. Challenge number three, I want you to do one and two, and I want you to make the turtle go back to its starting position. And it's got to face the same way. 
and you learn in a little while that the back function doesn't work and isn't allowed. And then anyone who's game on, challenge number four, can you write a combined efficient set of code that works for odd and even matrix arrays? Okay, and goes back to the starting position. And I want it to be efficient. Now, I wanted to, to do this, and I spoke to Ree, and she's like, you can't just give this to people. You've got to give them prizes. So I persuaded Ree to give us some prizes. So if you do challenge one, two, and three, send it in, we'll give you a $25 Amazon gift card. If you, uh, we also, for challenge number four, we'll give you a $50 Amazon gift card. Okay? Now, proper documentation will not be counted in the size count because challenge number four, I want you to make it as efficient as possible. Okay? But it will win favor. So rules, real simple. I'm the judge. My decision's final at the end. If you use reusable code functions and do good documentation, that will win you a little bit more respect. Uh, for challenge one, two, and three, we're not going to let the same person win them all. So challenge one, two, and three will be won by different people. But you can enter one, two, and three and do number four. Well, obviously, you, gotta, you can't do one and four because it's got to have both one and two, right? The code must work. We will test it. Now, you can either provide turtle code or you can provide pseudocode. You haven't, I'm not making you all go out and buy a copy of Minecraft, but this is a, a, quite a bit of fun. Uh, if you've got younger family members, just some bonding time with them. You can use things like forward, left, right, and dig, but there is no back command allowed. So I thought that might be a bit of fun. Get some ch uh, programming done. If you can write this code, it is a much simpler step to get up to Python and start using Python. And what you find in Python, most of the stuff is done for you. The most important command you can learn in Python is import. <laughs> Once you've learned import, you reuse somebody else's code. Sorry, Phil, now that there's money on the table, just to be clear, is it it's the, the first person that submits their answer that meets the requirements? It's not everybody who submits an answer that gets a $25 gift. Oh, so we're gonna choose we're gonna choose from challenge one, good good called it. So we're gonna choose a winner from challenge one, a winner from challenge two, a winner from challenge three, then a winner from challenge four. One winner. So there's one Amazon gift for each of the categories, and challenge four is a bit bigger. Uh, you can you can do you can do two and four and three and four. Um, so is, is there a time cutoff or it's more the, the first person that submits the, the answer wins? I'm going, to say, I'm going to give people 30 days from today to do this, to submit them. And then maybe put your podcast, we can declare the winners. Troy. Cool. Yeah. Just thought, a bit of fun, right? Cool. Sounds awesome, Phil. It, it kind of reminds me of uh, I was trying to get my kids to play with uh, playgrounds on uh, iPad OS. So very, very similar activities there where they give them challenges like that where they have to walk around a little maze. Um, instead of uh, mining uh, with, with the turtle, they have a little robot that pushes a button or has to, to hop or turn around. But it's uh, a very similar concept which it, uh, teaches fundamentals of uh, programming. But it's, it's a good way kind of to gamify them, uh, gamify uh, learning uh, programming languages. Yeah, uh, some people are saying, uh... Manon mentioned Roblox, similar concept. Yeah. Um, a couple of people have mentioned, it sounds like Logo, very similar concept to Logo. The thing is, you haven't got to buy any electronic parts. You, you, just, you just go into load Minecraft, go into creative mode, create a turtle, uh, and then you just you know, move forward. Now, it sounds absolutely easy, and I challenge you to try it, because it's, it's not as easy 
as it seems. And I will give a little bit of the game away. If you get it working on an eight by eight matrix and you try a seven by seven or a nine by nine, it goes horribly wrong. Uh, I actually programmed something wrong in my loop somewhere. And I set off my little turtle. I came back 10 minutes later and this thing is gone. It's like gone off in a direction for infinity. And I never found the poodle turtle ever again. Yeah, so just a bit of fun, I thought. Well, uh, does it have to be a turtle or it could be a, a rabbit? Well, the thing is actually called a turtle. It, it's, <laughs> you build a turtle. But uh, the rabbit, if, if it's like a hare, you mean, Troy, wouldn't that be too fast? Yeah, I, I'm just wondering. Efficient. <laughs> <laughs> So, good question. Where do we submit it to? Uh, here's our information. Here's my information. You can email it to me, philipnetsonexpert.com. And I don't know why you have a picture of you only, Troy. Probably because you sent a picture of you, right? It must be vanity. <laughs> it must be, yeah, yeah. So, good hat, though, Troy. Good hat. So, uh, I'll type it in chat as well if it's easier. But you can just submit it to phil at netsetexpert.com. Now, one thing, I don't know if I mentioned this. I don't know if I mentioned it enough. The code must work, right? Now, if you don't want to buy a copy of Minecraft and program the turtle, you can just send me pseudo code, okay? But, it, but now you're relying on me typing the code in to translate it. So the code is must work. If you submit it and the turtle doesn't do its job, if the turtle doesn't mine, like the picture shows, and it goes all the way in, and when you submit it, please tell me which challenge you're submitting it for. You can submit for all of them if you want to. Okay. Phil, couldn't we just play the vendor card and say that was the, the, the patch that we'll roll out later? <laughs> Coming soon, right? Patch Tuesday. Yeah. <laughs> Absolutely. Right. Well, uh, I just wanted uh, one of the. Uh, it's really cool. It's a really good challenge. Um, I hope we get a lot of people participating in that. Uh, there's a chance to earn earn some money. Uh, one of the things that uh, I've been looking at during this uh, this pandemic is just a, a way to um, kind of take my mind off things. So I, I've been doing a lot of uh, virtual cycling. So I, I've been using a program called uh, Zwift, uh, and basically it's uh, I, I have a bike trainer uh, that uh, I connect my bike to. Um, and it can uh, it inter interfaces with the uh, the Zwift uh, cycling program, and my bike trainer it can it can measure my power output from my my pedal strokes. I can measure my my cadence, so my my cycles per second. I can also monitor my heart my heart rate. Um, I have the scale that I can also set on uh, step on too that uh, measures not only measures my body weight but also body composition. And I can do things like I can measure you know the amount of sweat that I lose during a workout, right? So I can figure out how much water I have to consume and uh, how many um how much uh, salt, potassium, I need to replenish uh, some nutrients that, that I lost. Uh, but what's uh, really interesting is that uh, all of the, all these uh, sensors and everything that, that, I'm, that I'm using, uh, they all connect either via Bluetooth or using uh, Ant Plus technology. So Ant Plus, it's kind of a, a niche protocol. It was developed by Garmin, I think, back in like 2003. A lot of the early type uh, health type sensors, uh, they started to use uh, Ant Plus, but now a lot of them are dual, dual mode, so they support either both uh, Bluetooth and Ant Plus. Um, but uh, really, this whole virtual cycling thing, it's it, it gamified uh, cycling for me. 
So I connect via Zwift. Uh, there's challenges that, that I receive, you know, based on how far I cycle or if I complete more courses, I get more virtual points. Um, you can give kudos to other cyclists. They have scheduled uh, bike rides. You can schedule a bike ride with your friends. Um, you can uh, race with, uh, with professionals, uh, cyclists, uh, you know, around the world. Uh, the, the picture that you have up on the slides, they're uh, Tanya Ira. Uh, she, I believe she's one of the, the Spanish riders on the, the pro, uh, pro circuit. But she was a 2017 winner of the Zift Academy. So they have uh, yearly challenges where they get a whole bunch of the pros uh, racing through these circuits. So it's, it's very, very lifelike. And if uh, you can see from the image up there uh, that while you're cycling there, they have uh, courses that go around uh, London through uh, virtual worlds that they call Watopia. Um, but it, it's, it's a lot of motivation to kind of take your minds off uh, what's happening, right? So if, even if you spend your, your day uh, thinking about uh, Wi-Fi, you can uh, kick back, ride your bike, get some exercise, get the blood pumping, pumping through your body. Um, what I often, uh, what I end up uh, doing is I, I've been catching up on a lot of the, the podcasts. So many of the podcasts that uh, you've listened to today, if you've uh, been sitting through the entire 13-hour podathon, uh, the, the Clear Sand, the, the Spatial Streams, uh, WM Pros, um, the, the, a lot of the podcasts there, I listen to them, you know, on one and a half times speed as I'm cycling through these courses, um, trying to, to distract myself. But I, I think it's really interesting that, that I'm able to use all these, uh, these different protocols to connect all these different centers, uh, sensors, collect a whole bunch of data. And then after the fact, I can sit down and uh, I can analyze, uh, you know, how much power I outputted. Um, you know, I can uh, track that with other sleeping apps. So I compare. You know, do I get a good sleep that night or did was I able to output more power because I had a better rest uh, from the, the night before? So there, there's a tremendous amount of data that just me as an individual, which is a small handful of these IoT sensors that, that it can create. Uh, and then I have the ability to, to go back and analyze that. And the, the, the more I cycle, the, the more data and the longer uh, I can go back in time and look at all this information. So I found that a really get, a great way to kind of disconnect my mind from things that have been happening. Uh, other programs that are out there, there's a program uh, Sufferfest, which gives you challenges. Uh, I've seen some people on Twitter also use uh, One Peloton, um, but there's uh, a lot of these different applications that uh, can, can really help you, help you take your mind away from things. And of course, it's a safe environment. You don't got to worry about cars while you listen to your podcast, right? Yeah, yeah. I was hit by a car uh, several years ago. Uh, they, they took a oh, yeah. right-hand turn right in front of me when uh, it was a no right-hand turn zone, and it's yeah, it's, it's much safer to ride virtually than it is in front of cars. So, stupid question, but do you find the virtual environment, because it's given you all this data, it's more engaging, because you can jump on a bike and ride, but now you've got all this data coming at you, you can, you, you know what, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to do, I'm going to do two more minutes, I'm, I'm going to do one more kilometer. It's, do you find that like, is more entertaining, is more fun, makes the experience more enjoyable? Well, it's interesting you bring that up. Like uh, one, one of the challenges I have going on this month is um, there's a virtual component. It's a ceramic uh, gear cog set uh, that they put on your bike and it makes a little, you a little bit easier uh, to go up hills and stuff like that. And to get this challenge uh, throughout the month is, uh, I, I might have the numbers slightly off, but I think they're asking us to uh, cycle, because you can select different bikes. So you can have like a virtual mountain bike, a virtual time trial bike or a road bike. So they're asking us to do something like a hundred kilometers on a regular bike. Uh, 80 kilometers on a time trial bike and 40 kilometers on a mountain bike. And if you're able to do that within the month, uh, you get this kind of this virtual board, this virtual badge, where now I can have this virtual component on, on my bike. And then in, in the real world, uh, all the people who complete this challenge, they have a draw 
and uh, and you're able to win this real component that you can put on on your real bike. But but I have to your question, I have found myself going a few extra kilometers every day to get closer and closer to, to meeting those targets. So I've I've really found that it does encourage me to go a little bit longer, a little bit further. That's awesome. That that's really cool. And great segue to IoT, right? It's it's a practical example of IoT, and I I, I really like what Landon said earlier. You know, you apply for a job in IoT, and you know, hey. I got, yeah, I got two years experience in IoT and tell us about what you did. Well, I got my Alexa plugged into my light bulb and you know, these people at this oil refinery tour looking at you with a kind of like, what the hell are you talking about? Because they, they want like a 35 kilometer link to the top of the mountain in Alaska where the oil pump has stopped working and they want you to debug what's going on. And you're like, can Alexa do that? And I just thought that was a really good point that industrial IoT and our house IoT and even enterprise IoT and really different spaces. And that's what we want to do with the WLA, Troy, right? Our WLA work Yeah. Group. Yeah. Yeah, so let's talk about that, uh, the oh, IoT yeah. work group at the WLA. Before you do that, a good question. Do the, the Swift software and, and things like that, is the feedback to the bike, or the, so you can get it hard, make it harder to, to, to do the track? Yeah, yeah. So, so the bike actually it links up to like an Apple TV, so you can get an app on the Apple TV or on your iPad. You can run it on there. But uh, as as you're going up the, the course, uh, there's the elevation on the, the course that you're riding on, and as the elevation changes, it adjusts the tension on 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 my bike, right? So, like I, I've done in in the virtual world, like I've done 17 degrees uh, incline, which felt like I was biking up like a, a vertical wall. Um, yeah. You can also do like 17 negative 17 degrees incline, and you're zipping along at you know virtual. You know, 80 kilometers an hour, but it does dynamically change the uh, the tension on on the gear set. And I would say that this is kind of bad for me because now I need to have this. So it's awesome. Good, good inspiration. I, I think it's really it's it's awesome. It is. Sorry, go ahead. I didn't yeah, interrupt. Phil, you. you're going to tell us about the uh, the WLA, <clears> the uh, <throat> IoT working group. Yeah. So <sighs> Troy and I swapped ideas uh, a while back and we wanted to do more with IoT. It, there doesn't seem to be much information out there. More information has come out now. I shout out to Keith who launched um, some graphics showing us Bluetooth, uh, Zigbee channels compared to the wireless LAN channels as well recently. Um, Troy and I, maybe the name's on the, the website, but I really want to shout out to Mr. Peter McKenzie here, who's really joining us for this and helping us for this and peter's doing a quite a bit on the zigbee side uh, troy you've got a lot of experience with heart my my thing is bluetooth and peter is generator 2.15 and the protocols and things and what we want to do with the work group we've been saying this for a bit of a while now troy haven't we and we keep on yeah. going off on tangents and doing things but uh, i want to get a blog entry done just an introduction and it's not going to be it's going to be where to get information so for example I'm going to point to Keith's blog that he did. I think it was for Aruba, if I remember, Keith. Uh, a great introduction to BLE. And I'm not going to redo it. I'm going to say, hey, go read this, because it's a fantastic introduction to BLE. Um, then, uh, Troy, you're going to do a video, a webinar, and a blog on, is it Heart again? Update us on the latest on things. <clears throat> yeah, on Wireless Hearts, just to give an overview of its uh, protocol, yep. its uh, nuances, differences, um, how, how it's used in the industrial space. Um, and I think I'll, I'll uh, compare it again to, to Wi-Fi. 
just because our, our targeted audience in the WLA is, is kind of those coming from the wide side of things. So just kind of compare and co contrast terms um, that, that may be more familiar with the, the Wi-Fi engineer and how they kind of port over to the, the 802.15.4 space and cool. the, the wireless heart space uh, specifically. Awesome, awesome. I'm gonna talk more, I'm gonna do a bit deeper blog later on and maybe a webinar on BLE. And Mr. McKenzie, you're, you're working on 802.15 Foundation, right? Yeah, exactly, yeah, just looking at the um, 15 uh, um, standard, particularly 15.4, um, which I think is, uh, I, I think it's gonna be, it's an important standard, really, as you look at um, the IoT um, market. Um, there's a lot of the technology, a lot of the IoT, especially the industrial IoT technology is based upon 15.4 um, yeah. and even technology which isn't directly based on it a lot of the foundations are, are in 15.4 so you take something like LoRa and LoRaWEN um, yeah. that's built upon Chirp's spread spectrum um, and actually Chirp's spread spectrum is actually defined in 15.4 so it, it's, yeah. it's actually a proprietary implementation of Chirp's spread spectrum in LoRaWEN but there's um, there's a lot of really it's a much bigger standard than I think people realize. I think there's something like about 14 different file layers defined. Mm -hmm. um, just about standards, right? There's so many to choose from. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, I, I think you're really uh, talking about the onion there, there, Peter. Like there, there's a tremendous amount of uh, all these IoT protocols that all have that foundational uh, base layer in AOT 15.4. So starting with that gives everyone a, a staging point. Uh, to move into more specific and uh, uh, niche protocols, um, have, having a, a good foundation in AWS 15. Yeah, absolutely. I, I think it is. I think it's a, a sort of foundational thing, really. Um, and uh, yeah, understanding how all those pieces fit together, I think is quite important. So that's what I've been, I'm still uh, trying to look into, really. Oh, I, I think this is, I think Wi-Fi engineers have to understand IoT, not not just from an interfering perspective, but uh, uh, Troy, I wanted to bring you in on this because um, Troy, I've got to give you the credit for this. Troy said, we need to talk about security, right? Because the S in IoT is all about security. And if you think about that for a while, you'd be like, there is no S. Absolutely. <laughs> That's the, point. the problem. Okay. Uh, people's video cameras being taken over as botnets is is ridiculous. It, it that shouldn't happen. But like like we said, the S in IoT is how we secure it. And one of the most important things we have to do is secure this stuff. And I'm I'm looking now at, at I'm looking at pen testing and things. I'm beginning to put my nose in pen testing in the IoT world. And if you think pen testing in the Wi-Fi world is easy, just you wait till you see what goes on in the IoT world. It's like oh my gosh, it's it's too easy. Todd, do you have any thoughts on security in our? Yeah, when, when we're dealing with, with IoT, it's especially uh, uh, a big challenge because uh, IoT devices are not built for, for security. They're built to, to fulfill a, a, a narrow purpose and uh, they have to be cheap uh, and have to be capable of being mass produced. Uh, so it, the focus is not security and uh, it, but when we're dealing with security, we will have to go back to kind of uh, 
segmentation, isolating these kinds of devices. We, have, we need to have some mechanism where we can get them onboarded to networks uh, and, uh, and not do, because the, the, the risk is there. As you said, the camera can be taken over. Uh, you can be owned on your small uh, single board computers or whatever you have. Um, yep. And um, it's it's a huge, huge risk. So you, we we really need to consider uh, where we will allow these IoT devices to get access to to data. On the other hand, uh, it, for them to to really be able to give us uh, the benefits we need, they actually need to have access to some of our uh, uh, core services. Um, when we are doing uh, asset digitization, um, where where we're actually putting in IT devices into uh, thousands and thousands of containers uh, that are shipped around the world, um, and these containers they need to have access to to uh, the backend systems. So so we we do have a challenge, but it's good because then we have more to do. That's good. Uh, Sir, I, I got a, I got a question for. Sorry, I just had a question for you guys. Uh, with uh, Tori, you mentioned that these are, you know, low-cost, uh, cheap IoT devices, um, and you know, we need to start thinking about security. You talked about segmenting our networks. Uh, do you think it falls on us to uh, to manage these IoT devices on the infrastructure side, or do you, do you think we, should, in parallel, we should be pushing back on the IoT manufacturers to to increase the the features and security components that they they include within their products to to increase their uh, their security capabilities. I think the later we, we we need to push back and say, okay, we need you to be more professional, uh, include security in or uh, manageable security into these devices. And uh, big companies uh, are capable of doing this because uh, we, we can actually go in and say, okay, we won't buy your product if you don't secure it properly. But uh, on the other hand, in consumer network, uh, we will have a lot of devices where people just buy it because, oh, it's fancy, it's yellow, it's red. Um, and and that's, that's one of the big challenges. And, and you, we all know that consumer devices have to have a tendency to seep into uh, the enterprises. Um, but I agree with you, Troy. I definitely say we have to push back uh, on the windows. And I did interrupt you, Peter. I, I think it's important that um, when you talk about security, I think it's, this is why knowing the technology is important, why having a user group, because um, some technologies, some IoT technologies do have security built into them, um, and, and some have absolutely none. So, um, again, when you're picking a solution or an IoT system, you know, having that sort of knowledge is what, what I think is important, because actually, how do we push back when we buy the systems which are using secure technologies? We don't buy the ones that are using insecure protocols and insecure systems. Um, there is some, quite a bit of work in the IT field about security already. Um, but I, I, I agree is the, the people who are buying the chips are putting their products, they're not thinking about it. They're just going, we don't need to think about what technology, what's the cheapest chipset that will get this device online or, or with some sort of communication. So if they're not going to think about it as consumers and as industries, we have to think about it and go, actually, what distinguishes this but company's wireless lighting system over company's speed lighting system is actually they're pick, um, doing it a secure technology and a secure protocol, and we should buy that one. Um, which is why I think education in this space is, is really key. 
Oh, I think it's, that's I whether think it's probably. really helpful with the uh, uh, with the work. Oh, we lost you, Tom. So I think it's really paramount because someone can. Hey, Pete, look, I've got this really cool app. It was really easy to set up on my really? phone, and it controls all my home equipment. Hold on a second. And you're like, hey, Phil, look how easy it was for me to control your. <laughs> the problem with easy is it's easy for the user and it's easy for the black hat hacker as well, right? Sorry, Tor, you lost your bud. Yeah, I realized that. Uh, no, I was saying that the, the, the work in the, the WLA and the other um, organizations uh, uh, will be really helpful. Um, as you said, Peter, will be we have knowledge about some of the standards that will be secure, and uh, and if if the enterprises uh, go and and uh, push back, as you said, uh, Troy, then uh, we know that money talks, and if we don't buy the products, uh, we eventually could uh, come up with some solutions that will be secure, but but I I still fear the 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 consumer market uh, and the influence it has. Uh, on the enterprise, we have to be we're aware of that. So have you guys been successful at pushing back on any of these uh, IoT or consumer grade IoT devices coming into your networks? Or have you had to accept them connecting and then just take uh, appropriate action on the infrastructure side to try to mitigate and, and limit any risk or exposure? Actually both. Uh, oh, um, but we, we have a situation where we say, okay, we'll, we'll go with the solution because it's, it's the secure solution. I will not buy your, and I'm not be swearing, but your uh, mediocre uh, solution. Uh, so, so, and and that's when you set up uh, some of the requirements for. Security concerns. We we to be be able to support. Uh, I'm using my home Wi-Fi. I'm a Wi-Fi engineer. <laughs> the Northern Lights interfering. <laughs> well, I, oh, I, yeah. just wanna, I just want to make a quick that's, comment. That's right? uh, the, all the electrostatic or whatever it's called. Yeah. So, yeah. so Tor, I just want to make a quick comment. We all have pretty pictures behind us in Zoom. Tor, you've just opened your window and shown us outside your house, right? That, that's yes. that's happening outside your house now, yes. right? Yes. Uh, that, that was like, that's my thinking. That's some. That's actually something we can see, at least uh, on the Faroe Islands where I used to live. Oh, that would be awesome. Yeah. Uh, but it's, um, the good thing is we, you have the northern light, but uh, it's, always, it's also dark uh, most of the time in the winter time. So, yeah. But uh, awesome. good I think things. Coming, guys, I think we're coming to the end of our session. I just want to quickly address a question that someone asked me a while back. Uh, Bryce asked me about my Punagotchi. Uh, Bryce, I will send you a link, sir. I, um, I embraced Punagotchi. I have four of them running. I got it working on the uh, Pi 4 as well. Got all sorts of fun going on. And I did a talk for our local hacking group on the Punagotchis the other day, which is, um, I believe every home should have one. No, I believe every home should have two because they get lonely. If you haven't got a Punagotchi, look it up, go get one. You got three. Three myself, three. Awesome, yeah. Figwit, Dimwit, and Nitwit. What's that? <laughs> what I, I name them Figwit, Dimwit, and Nitwit. Oh, that's awesome. I think we've come up to the end of our thing. Is there any last comments from anybody? Uh, Peter, were you going to say something, sorry? 
Yeah, um, not, not particularly that relevant. I was just going to say on the whole thing of the UI-select devices um, or, or not buy them, I think it depends on its intention. Um, some devices, you know, like a CCTV camera, it doesn't need to and should never communicate with the internet. So you can isolate it and firewall it off. Um, and that's, and, and you should do. We had a CCTV camera once trying to connect out someone. We don't know why or why. Yeah. Uh, but, um, uh, but some devices are all now cloud controlled. They're cloud managed. The way you interact with them is via the cloud. They don't work unless they have an internet connection. And it's those devices, I think, which are more worrying because we don't know what they're connecting to, what they're sending, and, um, and I think that's where we, we need to push back more. So that's all I, I was thinking about that, and it's real easy, right? Let's make it secure. Let's just allow the temperature measuring IoT devices to connect to our temperature server. Hey, Phil, we've got this really good idea. We want to enable this cloud app. Okay, so now we have to go out to the internet. Hey, why is my temperature server sending one gigabit per second out to the internet? Is the question that you're going to get next because it probably isn't secure and someone's broken it. And you know, it doesn't need to send out one gigabit, it's, it can send out 10k a second. But when you've got like a thousand of these things doing it, you've got a DDoS attack going on against someone. And when the guys in the van turn up to find out who's doing it, they're going to be knocking on your door or the traffic is coming from your devices. And, and really good point, Peter. I, I want to emphasize that you should have firewalls on your IoT networks. Absolutely, maybe two. And they need to they need to be uh, the type of next gen. You, the, the firewall need to be capable of looking into behavior. So oh, right, Peter yeah. says that there's no need for a CCTV camera to go to some website and uh, or go to a command and control uh, center in the in a city called Claxvik in Faroe Islands. Uh, yeah. So so look at the behavior when 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 dealing with security. But that's kind of some of the things we've done for quite a few years now and and we still have to do it um the old uh, good uh, lessons uh, are still uh, valid uh, when we're dealing with iot that's that's a great Guys, i just want to be uh, mindful of the time that we're at uh, the top of yeah, the hour i think we're over uh, so fantastic discussion I, I think we should follow through uh, on, on our next podcast talk mm -hmm. maybe perhaps about uh, more uh, uh more discussion about the architectures that uh, could uh, secure iot but uh, just as a wrap up, our intention with uh, Channel 42 is to talk about uh, you know, all things I IoT, IIoT, uh, maybe throw in some, some ham radio stuff, some CBRS, um, LTE stuff, uh, talk a lot about uh, Wi-Fi security. Uh, but just as a wrap up, we just want to go around the room, just let people know um, how they can reach out to us on social media. So I'm Troy Martin. Uh, you can find me on Twitter at uh, Troy Mart, uh, the handle Troy Mart. And uh, our co-host, uh, Phil Morgan, how can uh, people reach out and get a hold of you? You can find me on Twitter at, at CCIE5224. It's me. All right. And cool. Thanks, Phil. And Tor Olson, how can uh, people get a hold of you? They can get a hold of me at Twitter um, at the handle at 2RN1. So it's 2 Romeo November and the number one. And so, my phone number and my social security number. No. <laughs> <laughs> So Wireless Land Association just thanked us and Fanay said this was a tease. Absolutely, Fanay. This was a tease. We can, we can take the things we've talked about in this session and make hour-long conversations. One thing I want to add to what Troy said is we don't want you to come to the 
WLA Workgroup and listen to us talking. We want you to come and participate. I want to sit there and learn from you, talk about something that you know. So please come on over, join the working group, email myself, email Troy, email Tor. Tell us you want to join in and we want, to, we want you to help us create content as a group and learn more about the IoT. Because if you haven't worked out already, IoT is going to be huge, right? Yeah, let's uh, leverage the power community here. I think so. <laughs>